what we're talking about today is our time. And the question that I want to ask as a Christian is, how does God want me to use my time? The most valuable, non-replenishable resource that you have is your time. The most valuable, non-replenishable resource that you have is time. Every single one of us, if we make it through the week alive, have 168 hours this week. 168 hours. It doesn't matter what position you're at in life. It doesn't matter what your last name is, what family you came from, what job you're in. We all have the same amount of time to deal with in a day. 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. Somebody else did the math, so I think it's right. 168 hours in a year, week. Couldn't go beyond that. That was too complicated. But that's the time that we have. Time doesn't care what our social status is or our bearing or what we have or what we don't have. So we have to make sure that we make the most of the time that we have. And that what we want to do together as the church and each one of us individually in our lives and in our families and in those that we influence, because we all have influence. Every single one of us influences people in our lives and everything that we do. We want to ask this question of how do we use this limited resource that we have? Or more specifically, how do I take the time that God has allowed me this week and how do I use that for his purposes? I take for granted the time that I have. Okay, I do. Very often in life, I take for granted my, my very next breath. Sometimes where I come from is I'm way too not as impressed with God as I should be, okay? I, I'm just not. I just take for granted the breath that I have in my lungs right now, that I am breathing, that I have another breath, because I don't know how many more that I have. I don't know how many more that everyone in the world has. I don't know how much longer this world's going to last as it is right now. And I need to be more thankful, talking to me, I need to be more thankful for every breath that God allows me to take and every day that I can be alive because I'm not promised that. That is nothing short of a blessing from God that he allows us to continue, that he allows me to continue. So I need to view my life in light of that. That God has allowed me another day and another breath, and another opportunity. And so as someone who's trying my best through God at work in me, and the power of his spirit, to live my life as God has called for me to live it, I want to ask the question of how do I use my time and use that for God's purposes? How do I take the time that I have? How do all of us together, how do you take the time that God's going to give you this week and use that for God's purposes? How am I going to best use my time to serve God and to serve others? Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. God tells us this. First, because it's true, and second, because we need to hear it. And this is how it goes. If then you've been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are ab above, not on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
on account of the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, synthican, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called to one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwelling you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'll stop there. And you may look up and go, hey, he got a little closer. Well, I just... I'm not tied down, so I can move around a couple different places. Verse 17 talks about our life and our time. Verse 17 talks about my life and my time that God has allowed me here. Verse 17 talks about your life and the time that God has allowed you here on this earth and what we're called to do. And it says, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. So what God has called for us to do is to keep his commands and to follow after him. So whatever it is that God is calling for you to do in your life today or this week, we want to do that for God. We want to put God at the forefront of that. As you have conversations in your day, we want to think, well, how can I bring God into this conversation? How can I not just talk about trivial things that don't matter in the long run, but how can I turn this to talk about things that do matter? How can I bring glory to God as I go to work and as I deal with people and as I'm interacting with people at the store or wherever it is? How do I take everything that God has called for me to do and to do what the Bible told us in other places, to take every thought captive for Jesus, and to turn that over to him and to use everything that we have, every breath that God has allowed me to take, and use that with him in mind. Use that for his purposes and not Joel's purposes. Use that for his kingdom and not Joel's kingdom. I want to use that for what the plan that God has set before me, and not the plan that I think is best. And everything that I do, do it all Jesus and for God. The late Charles Colson put it this way. He said, what we do flows from who we are. He said, what we do flows from who we are. Or to put a spin it a different way, 
Um, what we value will drive our behavior. What is most important to us will dictate our behavior. Who, what we do flows from who we are. So if we recognize who I am as a child of the king, that I am redeemed, that I am forgiven, that I am washed clean by the blood of Jesus, then the outflow of that of my life should be reflective of that truth. That what I do should be reflective of I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. And that Jesus' blood covered me, and he has me here to live on a mission. He has me here to do something. And hopefully the actions of my life will reflect who I am. Not just who I am, but whose I am. Who I belong to, because a price was paid for my life. A price. God came, and he gave us his son so that we can have life and have life eternal and so that we can just get by in life. That's not what he said. He came, God came and he gave us Jesus so that we could have life and have it abundantly, so that we could have it to the full. And I'm not talking about junk, okay? Hear what I'm saying. God came so that I could have life to the full. In fullness in our life, God defines that very differently than how the world would define fullness and what we have to have and what gives us fulfillment, okay? It's very different. But what we do it flows from who we are. The Bible teaches us in many different passages about our time and how that I, as a follower of Jesus, am to manage my time, what I'm to do with my time, what God expects of me, and how I'm supposed to live. This passage out of Colossians is just one of the ones that we could have gone to. But 317 is particularly helpful, reminding us that even our daily schedule needs to be redeemed after our lives become redeemed. It's not just one part of our life that we turn over to God, but he calls us to surrender everything. He says unless we die to ourselves daily and choose to follow after him, and Jesus says I can't be his disciple. I'm dying to myself daily, and God gave us that reminder, and Jesus gave us that reminder because it's true and because we need it, okay? But also because I need it. I have a tendency not to do what God wants for me to do. I have a, a tendency in my life, I don't know if anybody else does this. In fact, I know some of us do. I won't say that. I have this tendency to be lazy sometimes, okay? Or to not to do the better things that God has called for me to do. To not to fill the minutes that make up the hours, that make up my days with things that have eternal significance. Instead, I do things that don't matter. Right? There has to be time in our life where we can... Breathe, okay. Relax. You might say, Joel, calm down. Okay. Because God created us to, to live this life, and he wants us to enjoy. He doesn't want us to just feel like we're going through the, the drudgery of life, and life is awful. Because God created us with likes and things that we enjoy because they can fulfill us, and they can help us, and they can encourage us along the way. But what we have to figure out what we do is how are we going to take those things and how are we going to use that to impact our faith? How are we going to use those things and use those opportunities and use that breath that God has given me to help somebody else know Jesus better or to help somebody else grow in their faith or to help somebody come to know Jesus for the first time? How can I invest in the people around me every day Letting them know that I care about them because God told me I had to and because I genuinely do. Because I want to have the love of God in me. 
and I want to display that so that others can see. So how do I live my life to fulfill God's purposes? How do I take the time that I have, both the minutes, hours, and days, and the seasons of life that we have, and how do I take that and do what Colossians 3.17 says? And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the Father through him. Our calendars have to be redeemed after our souls are redeemed. I, mean, I kind of said that earlier. But it's that we've got to take our schedule, we've got to take our daily activities, and we want to make sure that is what I'm doing with my life every day because it's what a lot of times what I think are those simple, routine, mundane, everyday tasks of life that I have to do on Monday and Tuesdays and Fridays look different than Saturdays and Sundays are a little different. But what I do with all those tasks that make up my days, and how am I going to use that to make an impact? I love it. it was Jim Donovan was one of my professors at Atlanta Christian, and he had some life rules, and I remember some of them because they're good. But he said he always wanted to remember the 100-year rule in life. He said, it can, and that rule gives us perspective. He says, in 100 years, is anybody going to care? <laughs> okay. Is 100 years, is it going to matter? Well, in a lot of cases, what we do with our life as Christians and what we do as the church here at Cross Plains, we want to make disciples who can make disciples. We want to train up people in their faith so that we're following after and doing what Jesus caught and trained us to do. If we do that, is it going to matter in 100 years? Absolutely. Is the time that you might invest in someone else who might be influential in their faith, and maybe they can in turn spark a revival in their family, and that might go for generations to come. Might that matter in 100 years? Yeah, it could. Will it? God knows. I don't. What he's called for me to do is to be obedient. I consider myself blessed that I come from a, a generations before me that were Christians in my family. That's not, that's just who it is. But I know that is not the case for everyone. But what would have happened? What was that turn back in my family? Who brought my grandfather, John Einan, was Who influenced his life? so that his kids and his grandkids would be raised in Christian homes. So you think about this significance that we can make in our life, and we might think, well, my time, it's not, well, it doesn't, but it could be. Now, there's some tasks that we have to get done in life that aren't going to have internal significance. If I don't pay EMC the money every month, my power is going to be shut off at my house. Does that matter in 100 years? No. Does it matter uh, this afternoon? <laughs> well, yeah, it would, okay. And those things that we have that part of life that we do, and I recognize that. But where this rule, is it going to matter in 100 years? Hopefully, will we take the majority of our life? It does, because we invest in relationships, when we invest in other people, when we invest in our God's kingdom. And we don't want to have all of our little kingdoms run, run, run God is wanting and calling for us to do, then it is going to make a difference. Why else would someone take care of the yard when they could? Why else would be willing to mentor an at-risk school because they had the time? Or why else would people want to volunteer or help in the church with kids there? To give up of their time to help others. We have people doing that. But there could be more. When I take the time to serve and to give back. It changes me. 
It impacts me just as much as it impacts those that are around me. Jesus has called for us to redeem our time and to look at everything we're going to do and how can I give back? How can I add to? How can I that God left with his disciples who founded the church that you and I are a part of today? How can I take this task that God has given me and take this great, big, huge call that we all have that God wants us to accomplish, and how do I go, yeah, but what about Monday morning? How does this impact how I'm going to live my life? And you know what I think? When you ask that question honestly and openly before God, he will answer it for you. God will put those opportunities in your life where you can see how this matters and how our lives can have a significance and that we want to, that I want to offer my time to fulfill God's purposes. Okay, there's a difference in someone who gets in trouble and goes to court and the judge says, you've got to do 100 hours of community service. That person might put in 100 hours of community service, but why are they doing it? They're doing it because the judge made them. They're not doing it to fulfill a higher purpose. So it's not just that I'm putting in my time before God, but it's that I'm putting in my time for God's purpose. That I'm willing to invest my time and the chances and the opportunities and the giftedness that God has given me or the gifts that God has given me as a Christian. We talked about spiritual gifts last week. It's one thing to have a gift that comes from God. It's a whole other thing to go out and to use it. So I want to make sure that my purposes and my time, I'm giving those up to God and what he wants us to do. Because really what God tells us to do, once I lay my life down to him, it no longer belongs to me. That I have to relinquish ownership of that. Does that bother anybody else? Does anybody else like giving up control or ownership of things? There's two of us, Alicia, all right. No, okay, but there are. And that becomes challenging. But God has told us that I am to lay my life down for the sake of the kingdom. So that I can follow after and keep first. God told us that I'm to keep. This is I. That we give our time away, but not just to wait. Use it, but to give it away for God's purposes. To have both aspects of that key idea, right? Give it away for God's purposes, for His kingdom, and what He is calling for us to do. Because of this love that God gave us, we shouldn't need a law or a command that someone, well, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, and here's the bare minimum for you to get. Because you can't find that ideology anywhere in Scripture for us just to scrape by or to do the bare minimum that God is calling for us to do. That's why God told us to, to die to ourselves every day. Because if I don't, I'll just get in the way. And that instead, I can follow after him and his purposes and what he wants for my life. A proper stance really could be that I'm so overwhelmed by what Jesus has done for me that I'm going to take the walk that I have in my life and I'm going to follow him. I want to be a follower of Jesus, which means I need to go to the places that Jesus went and do the things that Jesus did. And Jesus invested in people. He invested in relationships. He invested in those around him so that his mission could continue. The mission of the church, the good news of the gospel, so that everyone could hear about it. Because your life is not your own. If you are a Christian and you have surrendered your life over to Jesus, your life no longer belongs to you. It belongs to the one who died in your place. And that, for me, when I remember that, 
gives me a better perspective on how I'm to live out my faith on a daily basis and on a yearly basis. And as I'm looking 10 years down the road, what does God want me to accomplish? What does God want for us to accomplish in his kingdom? And we can rejoice with Paul when he says this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. That was Galatians 2.20. This reminder that my life does not belong to me, but it belongs to Christ. So I want to be obedient with what he is calling for me to do and how I am to live. What Paul tells us to do, he says to wake up and to pay attention how we're living our life. A word that's used consistently for that in the New Testament and the scriptures is our walk. Our walk in our faith. As we walk, as we are living the things that we do. That idea is repeated a lot um, throughout Paul's writings and throughout as God teaches us from his word. But I'm going to read a couple more verses again from the Apostle Paul. This comes out of the book of Ephesians. So most of our scriptures are kind of clustered together in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. But I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, and this is why Paul's telling us to, to wake up and to pay attention how we're living our life. It goes like this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will, what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, and giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you go back to verse 15 and you look at that, God tells us, says, be very carefully then how you walk. He says, Joel, be very careful how you live your life. Because there are things that are around you that will influence you for the worse. There are things that are around me in life that draw my attention off of what God is calling for me to do as a Christian. And I think that is true for all of us. That's one of the things our enemy tries to do. He wants to distract us. And he wants me to get my focus on something that it might be okay, but it's not nearly as as important as something else that God is calling for me to do or to fulfill. And maybe for you in your life, it's just looking for ways that you can better utilize the time that God has given you. I don't know what that is, but for me, I I find that I am in a better place spiritually as a Christian when I use the time that I travel in my car for God's purposes and not my purposes. Instead of listening to the jokers talking on sports radio about stuff that doesn't really matter, what I could do is I could put on music and have a time of worship in my car that I enjoy or that I like. Instead, what I find where I find that I'm a better place is when I realize that time, and it's no car driving around, and I'm very grateful for that. But when I use that time to listen to people proclaim God's word, I'm a preacher, I like listening to preachers. I like hearing God's word taught and taught well. A podcast, a sermon, a preacher's 
something that that helps me out. I take instead of just wasting it, I use that. Or you know what? Sometimes I take that time when I'm in my car. Got where I'm going. I got to go. Right, you're out. You're welcome. That was free. Okay. But you don't, just if you're thinking about somebody to call and to say something, and there are also those times where I'm getting in the car and I need to go somewhere and I just need nothing. I just need not the radio on. I need nothing else on. I just need to use that time to think. Or maybe use that time to decompress. You don't kill anybody when you get home, okay, right? Yes? Okay. You need that time to get myself in a better place to take care of the things that are most important. I don't know what that is for you. That's one easy example in my life that I find when I'm not utilizing that time as best I could. I find that my reactions in life aren't quite as Christ-like as that I wish that they were. But look for that chance in life where maybe some a time that you're doing something about how you could use that for the kingdom, how you could utilize that to sharpen your faith, to help you reach out to others and let them know that you cared about them. Maybe you're just thinking about somebody. So you called them and you said, hey, I, I was just thinking about you. I want to see how you were. That's it. I don't have anything else. You're fine? Okay, bye. And maybe that's what the conversation does. But not to ignore or suppress or not to listen to those things that God is calling for us to do, to be very careful how I walk and how I live my life. And Paul goes on to say, he uses it seven different times in Ephesians, uh, but he goes on to say that there was an old way that we walked before we were covered by Jesus' blood. That there was an old way that I lived prior to laying down my life and turning it over to him. And he says that the old self, we have to die to that because we're new creations in Jesus. That I'm a new creation in Christ. There's a different way that I need to walk because I am following after my Savior. And what Paul does in the rest of the book of Ephesians, he gives us some examples of what our walk should look like. Our walk, I like this, it's this idea that the Bible presents, it's that general direction of our life over time. It's not always going to be full-fledged, going in the right direction, and it may wander or meander. Hopefully what I do is God always brings me back on track, and I'm headed where I need to go. That I have the prize before me that God talks about. It's not just getting to heaven, but it's God's kingdom come and his will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven that I use my time to accomplish God's purposes here because we all have a task and a mission to take care of in this life. Jesus invested in people. And if we're to be like Jesus, we've got to invest in people. And guess what? When you invest in people, what happens? You get hurt. And people let you down. And people lie to you. And people deceive you. But does that make it not worth it? Did that make Jesus go, no, I'm not going to choose Judas? He still took time to invest because other people have to make their own decisions. And we can't control that, and I can't control that. What Paul talks about in Ephesians, he says this, there's basically two different ways that we can walk or two different ways that I can live my life. He says I can live my life in a way that is wise. Or he says that I can live my life in a way that is unwise. And if we pretend for just a moment that hopefully we all fall into that category of I want to live my life as someone who is wise, how do I make the best use of the time that God has given me? What we want to do as followers of Jesus, as disciples, is we want to look out for those opportunities that God has put right in front of our face and to pay attention and to take action. 
to say, God, I want to use my time better for you. So maybe this whole up next coming week, I'm going to keep a log of everything I do every day. And at the end of the week, I'm going to look back at it and I'm going to see, well, what better time could I tweak or could I restore or how could I not do this and instead use that for God and for his kingdom? Because a lot of times when you write something down, then you have these facts staring you in the face and you go, well, I waste a lot more time this week than I thought that I did. Of those 168 hours that God gave me, how many did I give back to him? How many did I offer to God and for his kingdom? How many of the breaths that I took in this week did I do that trying to keep Jesus at the front of everything that I did to make the most of every opportunity? And what Paul says is that we need to do that because the days around him are evil and that there are evil things going on in the world. And that's just as much true today as it was when Paul wrote it. That's why it's so crucial that we take every thought captive for Jesus, that we make the most of the time that we have, and we invest that in ways that are going to make the biggest influence and difference. And I don't mean biggest by measurable or quantifiable of the most numbers, but the biggest everlasting influence in the life of just one other person. You know, too quickly, and this idea came up as some of the conversations in Sunday school this morning was, we, you just get overwhelmed. And sometimes, sometimes you might feel like, well, I can't help everybody, so what's the point? Or I can't do it as well as I wish that I could, so I just won't even try at all. There's this principle that is true and that is helpful, is that instead of looking at it through that lens, we can look at it through another lens, is that we can't help everybody. You can't. We're all limited. But we can do for one what we want to do for everyone. You can do for one person, for one life, for one person who Jesus gave his life up for. You can do for one person what you want to do for everyone. And it is through that when, we look at, when I look at my life that way, is when my life starts to take on more of an eternal significance. And when I realize that I can't control the outcome, but I can control being obedient to what God has called for me to do, and to, with every breath that I take and with every part of my life, I want to use my time for God's purposes. Not to look at it as, well, I'm just going to give a Because that's not what God teaches us. If that was the case, he wouldn't have said, you must die to yourself daily and pick up your cross and follow me. Instead, what Jesus has called us to do is something higher and bigger and greater than you would ever even dream of or imagine and we can accomplish that His strength. And the one who gave us his word. And the one who promised that I will be with you always. Even to the very end of life this week. I challenge you to life to fulfill God's purposes that he has for me. Let's pray. Father, life is so precious. And God, truly, every day that we have is a gift that you allow us to have. And God, when I can view my life that way, it changes my perspective. God, it can help. God, it can help to change our responses. 
God, it can increase our patience. God, it can cause us to be humble as Jesus was humble. And Father, to say, not my will be done, but yours. Father, I pray that we pay attention when you're calling for us to do that this week. God, that we don't ignore you as you're teaching us and prodding us and giving us reminders to care for one another. God, that's what we're called to do as a church, to care for one another, to let others know that we care for them and we genuinely want them to grow in their faith. And God, when we do that, you will cause that growth in us. And the Bible talks about the fruit that will be produced. We can't make that, God. You're the one that causes that. But God, I pray that we live fruitful lives. We live lives as disciples who love God and others who bear fruit. And God, we're equipping the next generation, the current generation of the church to follow your word and to keep all of your commands, to do what you've asked us to do. And God, when we start that by loving you and loving others, and when we do that, all the rest, you will help it to fall into place. Father, guide us as we walk through this life this week. Father, give us the direction that we need to go. Father, may we not be distracted by the things that don't matter. And God, may we redeem our time and our calendars just as much as you redeemed us through Jesus' blood on the cross. Father, may we as a church live our lives for your purposes and impact those that are going to hell today. May that not be true next week. Father, give us the courage to look and to speak on your behalf. Father, and to share our faith. It's easy to become complacent and not to do that. And Father, forgive us when we do that. Forgive me when I do that, as it's far too often. God, you are good, and your love endures forever. Father, may we remember that promise as we spend time in your word and spend time this week. Father, may we not waste it. May we invest it in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.